this later. So let's redo the intro and go. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Club by, by Classics. I'm Dave. Hi Dave, I am Dinah. Hi Dinah. So today we have um, an interesting book for you, but to get through this, we've decided we need some drinks. We have decided and... we always need drinks, especially when we get through books like this. Yeah, what are you drinking? Um, what did you pour for me, actually? I think, so I'm not this sure. This is not the coffee, so this is the other one. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure the bartender actually labeled them correctly. Oh. So either that is the coffee, it's either the Kalapuya Turkish Coffee Stout, or it's their Devil's Hole Stout, both okay. of which are phenomenal. So we are drinking stouts from Kalapuya. Yep. Both of us are drinking stouts. This is either Turkish coffee or what's called their Devil's Hole Stout. Yeah. And okay. I have their Chocolate Cherry Porter, which is just absolutely goddamn phenomenal mm. this is so good mm. this is so fucking good yes yeah. yeah and when i had one out of that bottle i couldn't tell which one it was mm -mm. it just tasted like a stout no when when she gave them to me actually when i tasted them we went to their brewery today for lunch and we got them in uh, growlers and when i tasted these two um at the brewery they were so similar tasting I don't think I could tell them apart without the label. Um, the Turkish coffee, I think, was a little creamier. Okay. So I think this one might actually be the Devil's Hole. Cause... This one must be Devil's Hole because this is the one that has a little bit of a bitter aftertaste. Not a bad bitter, right. but a little... Bitter's not the word. Um, roasted? Yeah. Yeah. Nice like a kinda... dark roasted, nice dark malt to it. Yeah. 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 And I'm using fancy beer words because I pretend I know fancy shit about beer. Same. Uh, my wife used to actually brew. She brewed the best shit possible. So I know lots of words. I just don't know how to use them correctly in context. I think those were correct words. They were the correct words. I don't know if they were the context, but yeah. it has a nice roasted malt is what I'm going to say. Yes. Yes. It tastes like dark beer. It tastes like delicious, delicious dark beer. Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, so, on the road. <laughs> I, you read this in high school, college? Um, I read this... God, when the hell was that? I was probably about 27 or 28, so... Okay. Right before college, early college, and at the time it took me like four months to read it. Oh. Because I, I just a, just an admission, I struggle with books that I don't enjoy particularly, so maybe that's a bit of a spoiler. Okay. Um, because I find it very difficult to read a book if I'm not being entertained. And quite frankly, there's nothing entertaining about Jack Kerouac. Okay, so you did not enjoy this book. Not in the slightest. Okay. So this is the first time I've read it was for this. And I'm going to be honest, I did audiobooks. Um, I am finding that because I work night shift, I am in the dark most of the time, and it's just easier if I have audiobooks. That's fair. And I also will listen to audiobooks a lot of the time, like while I'm cleaning the house or painting or whatever yeah. I'm doing. I find audiobooks to be really helpful for me. So from here on out, I will specify whether I used an audiobook, a regular paper book, or I used an ebook. Okay. But as far as I'm concerned, there is no difference between reading a book and listening no. to an audiobook when you're talking about works of literature. Right. And if you get a really well narrated one, it yeah. can be quite, be quite the experience. And, I like an audible. And I understand that technically when you're doing a brain scan while reading a book versus listening to an audiobook, there are different parts of your brain that light up. It right. is a separate experience neurologically. Sure. But 
I can take in that information while still working, while still painting, while still doing what else I need to do. Mm-hmm. I can take in that information. Also, I'm old, and if I sit down with a book, I fall asleep. Same. Especially so, a book I'm not enjoying. Oh, especially um, a book I'm not enjoying. I end up spending like three chapters thinking about the other things I could be doing while my eyes are still reading. <laughs> yep. So if it's a book I'm not enjoying, and if it's a book I'm enjoying, I will try to sit down and read. Yeah, same. And a, a physical copy of a book, because of that textural difference with your hands, mm-hmm. it makes a difference to me. Agreed. But if it's a book I'm not enjoying, that textural difference does nothing. Nope. I'll fall asleep. Not. I'll think about the dishes. I will think about that one spoon sitting in the sink that desperately needs to be scrubbed right this minute. Yeah, and that was actually why I didn't finish this book this time either. Okay. Um, I I was reading it on my Kindle or the Apple Books or whatever. Uh, So I actually didn't finish it either. Okay. Um, I got, and that's why I brought up the audiobook, I got to 68%. Oh, wow. And then the audiobook quit playing. Oh. And refused to continue. So I did Spark Notes and I went to Wikipedia and read the plot summary on Wikipedia. I will be completely honest, though, I did not report to the library that this audiobook failed because I don't think anyone should ever have to listen to this book. <laughs> so you didn't enjoy it either, huh? I Well, if you enjoy reading somebody else's journal, then yes, you will love this book. Someone else's poorly written journal. Any journal. I mean, have you tried to read someone else's journal? Have you tried to go back and read your own journal from when you were in your 20s? It's boring as fuck. Yeah. I never really kept a journal, to be fair. I I did. I kept a journal for years, and then I would go back and read it, and, and see, I would write these journal entries and think, I am so talented, and I am such a writer, and I am getting my emotions out, and blah, blah, blah. And then I'd go back a couple years later and think, the fuck was wrong with this little twit? Mm-hmm. Because reading someone else's journal is dumb and boring. That makes sense. Now, the spark notes for this talks about his adventures. Yeah. So, if you haven't read On the Road, a quick plot synopsis. Yeah, go ahead. This is Jack Kerouac writing about his real-life adventures, driving across the country from New Jersey to San Francisco and back again more than once. Right. And this book takes place over a few year time span and the people that he met and the friends that he traveled with and the friends he traveled to meet along the way. And it's just a journey across the country and back again. Now, it takes place in 1947. Right. When does it take place? 1947. When when was this book? What does it start at? 1947. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure, because he only said it four times in the first three chapters. <laughs> first so, three chapters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Four times in three chapters. Now, the whole book isn't in there. That's the first section of the book is 1947. Right. 1947. Yeah. It was 19... in 1947. Right. 1947. Right. It was 1947. <laughs> he says this four times in three chapters. Oh, yeah. It continues to repeat. This was in the spring of 1947. Yes. It was 1947. 1947. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1987. Mm-hmm. We had to use dickety because the Kaiser's throwing our word for 40. Good, 47. 1944. Okay, we get it. It was 1947. <laughs> Do you know what my favorite brand of hats is? 47. <laughs> okay, so this is... Okay, 
This is after he has left the military. Right. He, which... He served in the Merchant Marines first off. Okay. In World War II. Merchant okay. Marines are... I mean, yes... <coughs> Okay, he was in the military. Basically, they were the supply runners for the military. I'm going to say in 1940, or in, in 1947, <laughs> in, in World War II, if you were in the military, you were in the fucking military. Yeah, he was getting shot at by German boats. Yes. And, yeah. I, I don't care if you were a cook or a supply clerk. You were in the military in the 1940s during World War II. I'm just going to give you that. You yeah. were in the fucking military. <sighs> That I'm not going to disparage that. Fair. Okay, you did a thing. That's important. Um, but what <sighs> really got me about this, so we know that he is getting um, veterans benefits because yeah. he references it several times. We know that he has gone to college and had a roommate in college. Yeah. We know that he is divorced because in the is first he... few chapters he mentions his former wife. Oh, that's the right. The character, I don't know about him, but the character is divorced. Okay. okay. So he mentions all of this in the first few chapters. Then he goes out on the road to meet his friend who has gone to San Francisco or whatever. Um, and he goes through, I think it was Denver that he goes through. Right. And he sees a group of high school girls. And he oh specifically mentions they were in high school because mm-hmm, they were leaving mm-hmm, the high mm-hmm, school mm-hmm. in their high school uniforms. And he starts talking about how he wants to pick them up. Yep. Yeah. Let me see if I can find my... He I... has been to college. Mm-hmm. He is at minimum 20. This is 1947. Yes, 1947. Are you, are you sure? He is out of the military. Right. He so... is at least minimum 20 years old and probably older. And then when I went and looked this all up online mm-hmm. to look up how old he was, because oh, this is, he is the protagonist in the book. Right. It's fictional, but it's fictional based on a lot of very real things. Right. When this book takes place, he was 28. No, in 1947, when he was writing, he was 25. He was born in the site. Okay, 22. 25. Still, either way. These are 15 and 16 Looking year old at girls. high school girls. Yes. That he wants to pick up. Yes. Huh. I never knew Ted Nugent was a Jack Kerouac fan. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? Not right? Surprised. I'm not surprised either. I'm really not at all surprised if he was. Yeah. Really not surprised. No. No. Yeah, no. I, but when, when you started talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was one of the last things I read mm-hmm. about where I stopped. And yeah, my response was, my, my note for that was Kerouac was born in 1922. This is yeah. the summer of 1947. Dude. Mm hmm. Dude. Yes. Jackie boy, you're 25. You can go to the fucking bar. He has already been divorced. Yeah. Okay, so that was a thing. I know that they talk about him going to the bar and drinking, and it occurred to me that I don't know what the legal drinking age was. It would have been 18 at that point. And and see, I was thinking, okay, maybe if the legal drinking age was 18, he might be 19. Yeah. And then it's like, wait. No, he, he had a high. He had a college roommate. Yes, and he was in the military in World War II, which means he was at least in college for a year or so. Yes, and he's talking about going back to college, so maybe he didn't finish his degree. So at least a year in college. Yeah, and was old enough to have served in World War II. Plus military service. Yeah, he's too old to be looking at teenage girls. Yes, way too old. Yes, he's now, disgusting. If I had done my research and been like, oh, okay, this character's like 19, 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then it depends on the age of the girls. He yeah. said high school. Eight. High school can mean eighteen. It can mean seventeen. That with a nineteen-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm not gonna judge that. No. No. This guy's like twenty-five. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross. It is disgusting. Fuck. Yeah. Which is why. Oh, and I've written a few little one-liners here about how I feel about this book. One of them came up. I came up with, and this point I think proves it. Jack Kerouac is the kind of person who thinks the Bechdel test is sexist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Tell me he doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, for our listeners, define the Bechdel test, just in case. The way I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that basically a book will will, will pass or not pass the Bechdel test. It's a, it's a, a feminist literary theory mm-hmm. that basically for a book to be proven to be, I, I guess, feminist... Or at least to follow in the ideals of feminism, it, it has to have a conversation between two women characters that is not about a man. Yes, and it's not just or it's about the Bechdel other, test yeah. isn't even just applied to literature. The Bechdel test is applied to movies and TV shows and right. any media cultural media. And like you said, the test is how many conversations between two named female characters are not about a male character or a man at all. They're about something other than a man. Other than a man. Other than... And and sometimes, occasionally, now you'll get a little of the Bechdel test as it refers to the named female characters if one of them is gay and they are not talking about their female partners right either. something other than just romantic yes partners. it doesn't come up yeah. as much and that that application of it only applies to movies and tv shows where the majority of the characters are straight but the lesbian oh, character see. right so how yeah. are we how are we portraying the lesbian the character? one does lesbian have, character yeah. does, does she, she have and right. i would say that also applies to trans characters as well a trans female character right. do they talk about something other than their i partner? haven't specifically heard it applied that way i would say it does i would agree yeah that's fair it it is a feminist way of evaluating media right right and there i don't know that there are any female characters with more than one or two lines but like i said this is like reading someone's journal right so none of the conversations in this book are between people when he was not in the room no it's him reporting it's all reported conversations yeah so all of the conversations he hears he is either a party to or he is in the room for. Right. That said, I don't think there's any conversations between any of the female characters in the book. No, there's not. I don't think any of the female characters ever meet in front of him. No, none of the important ones anyways. No. Yeah. So it does not pass the Bechdel test. Well, no, but also he's the type of person that would think that applying the Bechdel test is sexist. He's uh, the kind yeah. of misandric piece of shit. Or, you know, he would see it as misandry. I uh, did you hear, <laughs> or did you, you catch the one, and again, you didn't read it this time, so there is a scene in there where he meets a girl that he wants to sleep with. Okay. He pressures her into having sex. He has not specified her age, mm-hmm. but it's implied that she is close to his age. Okay. It's implied that she is probably over 20, but it's not really specified. Right. Um, he pressures her into sex, mm-hmm. admits that he's not even good at sex, and then, I'm going to read this quote, t- 
talking about boys and girls because he specifically says boys and girls, blah, blah, blah. He is specifically referring to boys and girls. Right. Sophistication demands we submit to sex right away without proper talk. Dude. You're so right. Yeah. He's saying, I shouldn't have to get to know you because I'm too sophisticated. Oh, yeah. I should just, you should submit. Just submit. Because he's Kerouac, the mighty poet of the beat generation. Yes. I. Yeah. Who, and this, by the way, have you read any other beat authors? Ginsburg, who's, who's in this no, book. No, and I am so glad that I have not, and I they're going to have to go on our list because we're going to have to make fun of these fuckwits. Yeah. Kerouac thinks he's the best of the beats, and I think that shows in the way he writes. <sighs> What's scary is he might be close to right. Of the beats that I have read, he might be the second or third best. Hold on. You almost made me spit my beer. You think that he is the best... He's close to the best of what I've read for, for beat Of the beatniks. Now, yeah. I've never read any of them. Yeah. This is, the, this is at, the gold standard. At least of the beatniks who he is talking about in this book. So, talk to talk about that. Um, the character Dean, I think is his name. Uh-huh. Neil Cassidy. Yes. Um, I can't remember what he calls him. He uses a Hispanic name for him. Um, uh-huh. can't think of the character name. I'll look it up. I've got it right here. Uh, the characters are Dean, Carlos... Carlos. Yeah. Carlo. 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 Mar- he calls him Carlo Marx. Carlo Marx, yes. That is Allen Ginsberg. Yes. Who is famous for writing the poem Howl, which if you've never read it, no. it's like three or four pages. It's a poem. Okay. A poem. Oh. It's about as well-structured as that... Now, not the same tenor, not the same, uh-huh. you know, subject matter. The structure, though. The structure of it is about as good as that children's book you had me read on 2 a.m. Brains. Oh. Just completely unstructured. Oh. Both him and Kerouac, since, since we're on the subject, this is another one of my uh, little one, one-liners. And you can include include Ginsburg in this. So I'm, I'm going I'm to modify this. If you haven't read Kerouac or Ginsburg, you can just listen to a meth head masturbate. It's the same thing. <sighs> it's the same thing. We're going to have to read this shit for this show. Yeah, we're I'll just going to have to. Yeah. Later. Later. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... Later. No, it's garbage. Yeah, Howell is awful. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, the, the really, Kerouac is probably one of the better ones of the of the group of people he's talking about. Now, I've never read any William S. Burroughs, and William S. Burroughs is, he calls him Old Tex or Old Something like Billy that. Or, yeah, Billy that's... Tex or Tex Billy or right. Billy the Kid. or and They all have stupid names. Yes. Though. Which, by the way, his publisher made him use fake names. Right, because he didn't want to get sued for libel because he says some... And that was the publisher's doing. There mm-hmm. were a couple of these where he wanted to use their real names. The publisher made him use fake names. Yeah. All of the characters in this book are based on real people in right. his life. Yes. Yeah, they're all yeah. based on... on Beat authors and uh, poets, and so William S. Burroughs' old bow leave. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's going on this cross country trip. He stops in Denver, and then from Denver, he has to go to San Francisco, which he calls Frisco. Yeah, I hate that. Really, I fucking hate Frisco. Yeah, Frisco. I'm going to Frisco. Oh, right. fuck you. Right. Just fuck you. It's San Francisco. Just yeah. shut up. Yeah. Just just stop being that person. Just shut up. And I had never been bothered by Frisco until I read this, and he says it like ten times, and I'm like, just fuck you. Fuck well, Frisco. That's I, not a word. Fuck you. I think that's a point about 
one of the things that is so bad about his writing is he has such a limited fucking vocabulary. Oh. You know, it was 1947, it was 1947. Frisco, 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 yes. Frisco, Frisco, Frisco. And you're so yeah. fucking pretentious well, about it. And use some fucking pronouns. Once you said Frisco once, you can say there. When I was yes. there. So he, he has to take a bus uh-huh. from Denver to San Francisco. Frisco. For, to Frisco. This is a quote. The bus trip from Denver to Frisco was uneventful. Then why are you telling me about it? <laughs> oh my god. Stop it. Stop it. Stop telling me uneventful. The whole book has been uneventful. Mm-hmm. We're like seven chapters in. Mm-hmm. Stop telling me uneventful events. Yes. Stop it. Stop. And don't tell me it was uneventful. Here's what happened. He goes on to tell you about the fucking bus trip. Mm-hmm. The uneventful bus trip. Right. To Frisco. In 1947. When he was probably high out of his mind on Benzedrine oh, or yeah. Speed. Yeah. Or... And it was at this point where he mentions being divorced. And I'm like, wait? What, what, what? You're divorced? Yeah, you could have gotten what? that five chapters ago. What? Tell me about that. Right. You were looking at high school girls two chapters ago. Right. Fucking <sighs> no wonder you're divorced. Right? Jeez. So he goes out to Frisco. <laughs> He and one of his friends, I think it's Dean or one of the others, they get a job as police guards for some, I don't know, shipping yard or some shit. Okay, so like night watchmen or something. Yeah. And they are police, but not like police police. Right. And he makes a big deal about being police, but not being police police. The other police look down on him. Right. He's just a fucking security guard. Okay. He will never listen to this, so I'm going to say... When I got to about this point, this book, suddenly, all of a sudden, I was like, I know why this book is familiar. I've never read this, but I know why, at this point, this book is so fucking familiar. Okay, go. Why? I think that my oldest brother decided to model his life on this idiot Fuck with. Oh, yeah. You've met my oldest brother. Yes, your oldest brother is yes. a fuckwit. And I can say from conversations... And pretentious? So, your oldest brother and I have stayed closer longer than the two of you have. Yes. So, like, he, he and I have only just finally fallen out completely. Okay, yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, I, from conversations I've had with him, absolutely. And he will admit to you that he has modeled his life on Kerouac. And that he loves guys like... I- and he did it because he's into people like Jerry Garcia, who was unfortunately heavily influenced by the bullshit that people like Ginsburg and Burroughs wrote, and, and Kerouac. I read, I got to this point in the book, and I'm like, oh, a loser floating uh, through the country doing nothing, and now looking down on other people for doing a job when you're doing exactly the same fucking job. Mm-hmm. Oh, my brother wrote this book. Yeah. Yes. In 1947. What year was it? 1947? I think it was 1947 in Frisco? Hey, Stephanie, do you know what year Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier? Was it 1947 in Frisco? It wasn't in Frisco. It was in 1947 <laughs> in Brooklyn. I want to hear more of that story. <laughs> yeah, right? I think that story would be a lot more interesting than this. Oh, hell yeah. This is not even a story. This yeah. is... Oh my God. So no. anyway, he becomes this uh, guard... Uh, and they get to beat people up who live in the barracks at this shipping yard place. And 
I don't know. Uh, apparently, you can go to jail for flying the flag upside down on a government poll. I don't know if that's true. I was going to Google it and then didn't care enough to Google it. Yeah, and, and that's a fair statement because who gives a fuck? I, see, and I think, I think that if you fly the flag upside down on a government poll, I mean, on the water anyway, doesn't that mean danger? Right, that or means trouble? distress. Yeah. Fu- with, well, yeah. I know it does on water, but this is on land. Is that illegal? I don't And here's the thing. So. I have military family. Yeah. I can fucking text them. I don't even have to Google that. Right. I didn't care enough to Google it. That's fair. Or to text my family members who yeah. are military yeah. and ask them. I just didn't care enough. And, and then he says about his job... I was completely bored. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Me too. <laughs> yeah. I'm bored reading it. Yeah. How do you think we feel, Jack? How did this become the great American novel? Yeah. I don't understand why people love this shit. Yeah. Because people oh, love this shit. And then we get to, he's in San Francisco, threatening queers. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me Which, at all. By the 68% part of this book, he had used the word queers and several other slurs like fags repeatedly, and -hmm. I wanted to punch him in the face. Because this wasn't just, okay, it's 1947. Are we sure? And we use words like queer. He's using these as slurs. Oh, yeah. Which, just to be completely honest here, if you are offended by my use of the word queer or fag... I'm gay as fuck. Those are my words, babe. I can use those words. Yes. So, any listeners, I'm gay as fuck. I can use those words. Those are my words. Right. And Dave. Right. I'm gay as fuck, too. So, I mean, you know. Dave can use those words. Right. So, we will use those words. Yeah. He doesn't get to. No. No. He literally talks about how he went out and threatened queers just for fun. Yeah. He went to fun. gay bars in San Francisco. Right, and probably, well, I'd say he let himself get, get picked up, but have you looked at pictures of that man? Oh, God, he looks so fucking full of himself. I can't believe that man ever got laid. That look on him, I don't know, honestly, so I can tell if a guy is attractive or not. I looked at this guy, and I could not tell if he's attractive because he looks so fucking full of himself. He's not. Just so fucking, I, the what look on his face. What he has that is face, even mildly attractive is a... Strong confidence in himself. He has a very slappable face. Oh, yeah. He's very much got that Ben Shapiro or uh, what's his name? The guy that went to jail for Martin Shrekley. That's his name. Or Shkreli, whatever the hell that guy's name is. The guy that hoarded the only copy of the last Wu-Tang album. Fuck you, motherfucker. But yeah. I'm trying to remember how to spell his fucking name. Because now I'm going to look at his... K-E-R-O-U-A-C. Okay. There we go. I was spelling it all wrong. Um, yeah. I'm looking at, this is the picture of him that I saw. This is from the Wikipedia page. Go look this up. This is the picture of him standing. He's looking off camera. It's obviously posed. Yeah. He's got his arms He's crossed. trying to look thoughtful. And looking at this picture, honestly, I can't tell if he's attractive or not because I want to punch him so many times. I mean, that's fair. I, I would say he's a five in the face. Okay. He's got, looks like if he took his shirt off, he has an okay body. Which makes sense. He was kind of a hobo, you know, rambled around, did a lot of hard work. I'm going to try. probably in good shape. I'm going to try not hating him for a second. I'm going to take some deep breaths, and I'm going to look at this. He's not that attractive. No. He's, he's punchable. Yeah, he's got a, 
The smirk on his face makes you want to wipe that look right off his motherfucking face. He's one of those men who looks like he walks in the room and thinks that everyone finds him attractive. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if you're a 10, if you look, go look up Mm -hmm. this picture. If you walk in the room with that look on your face, I don't care if you're a 10, you are now a 2 and I'm going to punch you. Right. You're just, you're just unattractive when you look like that. Another one. Yes. Jack Kerouac is the type of man that thinks that the, the gas station attendant is flirting when she says, have a nice day. Oh, he is. <laughs> I, I, am I wrong? <laughs> and he thinks the gas station attendant is flirting when he says, have a nice day. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Yes. He thinks everyone is flirting. Yeah. Because he's so much like your older brother. He thinks he's God's gift yes, to everybody. Yes, everybody. Uh-huh. Okay, so after he threatens gays in San Francisco, yeah. <laughs> he is on a bus. And I don't know where the fuck he's heading, but he's on a fucking bus. And he sees this young woman, a Mexican woman, who he describes as a young Mexican girl. Yeah. And, now get this, got a quote again directly. Oh, God. Breasts that stuck out straight and true, and her flanks looked delicious. Oh my fucking god. Um, excuse me? Not poetry, Jack. That is not Lola's poem. You want to eat her? You want to eat her legs? (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if that was an edit that the editor forced on me. I. That maybe in the. Because there isn't. I'm sorry. Breasts that oh, no, stuck it's, out straight it's and true. Even if you put no, no, the words there, it's not just disgusting. There. It is not just disgusting. Her breasts stuck out straight and true. Yeah. Really? Really? Have you ever seen a woman, dude? Ever? Just once, Jack. Have you ever seen a woman's breasts? Because our breasts <laughs> do not stick out straight and true. And I am currently holding my breasts straight and true. Indeed she is. Because this is the only way, if you hold them, for them to stick out straight and true. Right. Why? Why do men? That's the whole question. Oh. Why? Why? Why do men? That's a fair question. Because that that is not what breasts do. No. No. Breasts do not stick out straight and true. Right, they don't and reflect. now I'm picturing her boobs just like poking out straight, looking at you. See, I'm seeing her in a Madonna bra. Oh, it is 1947. Yeah, and she's probably wearing the early uh-huh. version of a Wonder bra. Yeah, and Jack Kerouac just has no idea that's not what tits look like because, like no. you said, Jack Kerouac has never seen a real pair of tits. No, except for the ones that he coerces into sex because <laughs> right. that's being sophisticated. Yeah. And, I mean, okay, this woman that he's talking about, I don't think he ever gives her an age. They end up sleeping together. They have a a short relationship together. Yeah, I remember that. He never really gives her an age, but she has a husband and a child. But he describes her as a young Mexican girl. Young girl. Yeah. Young girl. Yes, she's probably 16 or 17 at most. I, okay. Because this is what year again? I do, it's 1947. Yeah. I do not date young girls. No. Now, I don't date anybody because I'm married. Right. And we're monogamously married. But when I was single, I didn't date young girls. No. The last time I was single was 10 years ago. I was in my 30s. I didn't date young girls. Right. I dated women. 
When I was in my 20s and coming out of the closet, I didn't date young girls. I dated women in their 20s and 30s. Right. If a woman was under 21 and I came out when I was like 23, 24, 25, if a woman was under 21, she was way too young for me. Way too young. My young cutoff was 21 because at least they could drink. And again, I was 25. Right. 21 was young for me. Yes. I didn't date young girls. No. I didn't date young boys when I was 18 and dating men. I dated boys my age. I dated men my age. I didn't date young. Yeah. Young, that qualifier there means something. Oh, he's he's a creepy pedophile. That's gross. He's a creepy fucking pedophile. He is gross. Yes. So at this point, I looked at my little uh, thingy, and I was 25% of the way done. And I was fucking annoyed, because this is only a 10-hour audiobook, and I was only 25% of the way through. <laughs> oh, I was so fucking annoyed. Uh. So then, yeah, he hits on her. Her husband's abusive. They end up in a relationship. Uh, yeah, she has a kid. They live in shacks because she's Mexican, and it's 1947 in California. Right. Um, I, was it 1947? I think it was 1947. It might have been 1947, yeah. It might have been, yeah. Um, in California. So she and her family are like fruit pickers and cotton pickers in right. Southern California. As I recall, he gets into some of that work, too. He does. He starts picking, but, like, she brings her seven-year-old child. Again, this kid is seven. Yeah. How young is this girl? Right. Stop calling women young girls. Yeah. Or stop dating young girls. Either way. So he goes out, he's picking cotton, and then she brings her son, and they pick with him, and she tells him that what she and her son pick, he can claim as his, because they're all going to live together anyway. Right. And they pick considerably more than he does, because he's a pathetic piece of shit who has never done anything in his life. Right. Uh, let's see. Um, so then he goes back to New York. It is now 1948. Does he repeat it? Are we sure? Well, technically it starts at Christmas 19... Well, no, this is 1948. Christmas of 1948. He tells us Christmas of 1948. Okay. He is specific. 1948. We're now 1948. We're 1948. Okay. Eight. Not 47 anymore. It is now Christmas of 1948. Okay. 48 in New York. Are you sure it's not 47? No, it's 48. Okay. It is 1948. Got it. Christmas. Uh, they go to his family's house. They're going to move some furniture for his brother and his aunt. His aunt apparently raised him. Yeah, he made that point early on, and it's hard to tell what happened there. He lives with his aunt, but when I went and looked it up, his aunt is a stand-in for his mother. Oh. So, I See, don't know. that makes me wonder, because he was from a French Catholic family, if maybe his mother was like 14 and got put in a convent. So... The way that I read it, the way it's written in the book, and then the way that I understand it from the Wikipedia, mm -hmm. his mother was actually like an alcoholic, and at points in his life he lived with an aunt. Oh, I see. So he's just sort of conflating the two. He has combined two people in his life into one right. person. And just kind decided of. he prefers And in the, the book, aunt, he the makes mother. some comment about his mother and being an alcoholic or something, oh, or an okay. addict of some sort. 
Um, so at this point, I was thinking, what am I doing to myself? Why right. am I doing this? Yeah. I hate my life. Yeah. I must hate myself if I'm subjecting myself to this. And having gotten through it once, that was where I, that was the point I hit at 50 pages. And at this point, uh, he says, and I'm quoting here, there was nothing to talk about. <laughs> Why are you killing me? Okay. Yeah. This was uneventful. <laughs> there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. We know there's nothing to talk about. Talk about something. Right. Write something else. Yeah. Just write anything. Anything. Right. Hey, Dinah. Anything. I, I was hanging out with my girlfriend the other day. Uh-huh. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but was it 1948? I think it was 1947. It might have been 1947. Yeah. But were her breasts straight and true? Straight. Were they straight and true? No, but they're truly beautiful. But were they straight? I mean, that's another thing. Breasts should not be straight. <laughs> Point straight. Because straight implies a shape. Right. Boobs are mounds of fat. Right, they're round. They should not be straight. Yeah, your boobs should not have straight lines. <laughs> they should not be straight. Boobs are curvy. He has never seen boobs. Uh, no. Never. Not even in a strip club. So then they decide they're going to go back on the road again. He and his friends, he and Dean, they're going to... Oh, okay, so at this point in the book, Dean has a wife who he divorced and a girlfriend who he kind of lives with, but he's back with the wife now. And yeah. there's going to be several back and forths between Dean and the wife and girlfriend. And there are no conversations between the wife and girlfriend. No, they, they probably never knew each other. They hate each other, though. Well, yeah. Because they're all, they're both hearing one story from one of Jack Kerouac's yeah. shitbag friends, who in this case, they're all, they're all dead. You can't assume so, they're liable, it's Neil Cassidy. Okay, so they're on the road. He's on the road with Dean. He's on the road? And Dean's wife, on the road. On the road. They're on the road. Yeah. In 1948, they're on the road. They're on the this road. is after Christmas of 1948, so it's actually 1949. I'm they're on the road. Can we go back to 1947? There's too many years. They're on the road. Okay. They're just on the fucking road. <laughs> with Dean, on the road, and Dean's wife. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they have this conversation where Dean is talking about he had his first sexual experience at the age of nine. That sounds so, a little young to me. He was raped. Maybe. It, it's sort of implied that it was a girl about his age. Oh. So maybe so it might like have been a, like doctor play. The way that it's written, the girl might have been 11 or 12. Maybe. The way that it's written. But they don't specify. Okay. Because they talk about, he talks about this being like neighborhood kids. Right. So this was kids around the same age. Was it rape? Probably not. Right. It was Dr. Play or... He enjoyed it. He was nine. He is bragging about this experience. Oh. Then he looks over at his wife. And he says, and I'm not quoting here. He says something to the effect of, she must have been sexy at nine. <laughs> at nine. I'm sorry, that was... And how he would have had sex after. with her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dave. Uh-huh? You just mentioned your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Was she sexy at nine? Was your girlfriend sexy at nine years old? No, she was a child. Exactly. She was a child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have seen pictures of my wife when she was young. Mm-hmm. Teenager. I've seen a couple pictures when she was younger, like little. 
I would not call her sexy. No, adorable. She's cute. Cute. She's a cute little kid. I, I believe that. Big, adorable brown eyes. Yeah. Beautiful little girl. I believe that. Beautiful little mm-hmm. girl. Not sexy. No. No. And not a beautiful little girl in the way that Kerouac described it. Beautiful no. Young girls. Uh-uh. No. no. And even looking at pictures of my wife when she was, and I've seen pictures of her when she was young, so like very, very late teens, like 19 maybe, and I've seen pictures of her when she was a young, young 20, 21, yeah. 22 kind of age. She was a beautiful young woman. Right. Beautiful young woman. Yeah. She was not a sexy little girl. She was a beautiful young woman. She was a beautiful small child. And a beautiful young woman. I would not describe her as sexy at nine. No. 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 That's gross. Yeah. And that is a woman that I am currently having sex with. Yeah. That's gross. She was not sexy at nine. No. No. That's gross. Yeah. That's gross. That's fucking wrong. Yeah. I don't know why it's in there. Yeah, I I don't either. That seems like the sort of conversation you keep to yourself. So at this point is when I looked at the Spark Notes. Because I wanted to know how much, if this story is going to turn into something, how much is left, what the fuck. The Spark Notes say the narrator narrator goes to New Orleans and has adventures and hangs out with his friends and goes to bars. Yep. He has not had an adventure yet. No, there was no adventure in this story. It was literally just him... Reading someone else's diary is not an adventure. No. Books don't even have to be set in a fantasy world to have adventure. Right. Nothing happens. There is no danger. There is no conflict. There's no story here. Yeah. There's no no adventure. It's literally just him rambling. And like, okay, sometimes my wife and I will be out. Like recently we went to Seattle and... Spur of the moment, decided that we were going to go do something in Seattle. Yeah. We didn't know what. We left our Airbnb. We're like, we have X number of hours to kill until the show that we're going to see tonight. Uh, Let's just go down to such and such area of Seattle and see what happens. And as we're walking the streets of Seattle, she says to me, I love how adventurous you are. That's adorable and sweet. Yeah. For us, that's an adventure. Right. It's not an adventure anyone else cares to read about. No. Oh, and to be to be honest, while I have no interest in reading a 300-page novel about your adventure in whatever part of Seattle with your lovely wife, the way you told that was far more interesting than Kerouac described any of his adventures. Okay. Thank like, you. Like, I actually cared a little bit about what you were saying. I, and I think part of that is that we know each other well enough to care about each other's story. Fair. At this point in the book, we don't care about the characters. Yeah. No, we don't. I don't care that they get stuck in the mud in Texas. And that's literally a huge section coming up is their car goes off the road in Texas and they get stuck in the mud in the rain. And so there's a whole section about Dean and he have and the narrator have to get out of the car while the wife guns the engine and they are they are pushing the car out of the mud. That's not adventure. No. Now, it's a shitty day. I could construct a funny story when I'm telling it to someone else mm-hmm. as this funny incident. Right. It's not an adventure and it's not a book. No. And part of it is how the story is told. Now, you know my co-host from the other show, Estelle. Yeah. 
So there are times that Estelle and I will be talking and she'll be like, hey, how was your weekend? And I'm like, just wait, I have a story. Right. And then I tell a story and it is all in the inflection mm-hmm. and it is all in how I illustrate these characters. And do you know what they said? <laughs> That's not how this is written. No. This isn't written as gossip or as spilling the tea. This is, and then we got stuck in the fucking mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just made it more interesting by using the word fucking. You did. It's not interesting. It's not an adventure. No, he's so fucking boring. Yes. So then they get back to San Fran because now he's no longer calling it Frisco. He's calling it San Fran. Right. Because probably one of his friends when they were stoned out of their mind went, shut the fuck up with Frisco, dude. Right? So they get back from New York to San Francisco. The buddy dumps the wife to go live with the girlfriend yeah, he yeah. and his buddy's wife go off to live in a hotel and have an affair, which they've been talking about the whole last chapter. As you do. And, I mean, at one point, even the buddy wants him to sleep with his wife while he's watching because he says something about, I want to see what she's like with another man. Oh. Eh, fine. Whatever. Yeah. You do you. Yeah, go. whatever whatever sexual thing works for yeah, you. Yeah, whatever. Well, as soon as he dumps them, Dean dumps them and goes back to his girlfriend, the wife is no longer interested in the narrator. She was using him to make her husband jealous, and now she's not interested. So they they have no money. They're broke. Yeah. He doesn't have any money. She doesn't have any money. So she goes out and finds herself a sugar daddy. Yep. He, the narrator, sees her with this guy and starts referring to her as a whore. Now, earlier in the book, when they were out of money, he and Dean talked about pimping her out. Yeah. But she does it herself, and suddenly she's a whore. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this. So this is Dean. Ca- this is uh, Neil Cassie's wife. Yes, Dean's wife. Dean's wife. I think there was an instance because I think she's introduced right at the beginning of the book. As I recall. yes, she is. Yes, she refers to her as a whore earlier mm-hmm. in the book. Repeatedly. Um, oh yeah. Yes, repeatedly he calls her a whore. He calls her. Yeah. Dean calls her a whore early in the book. Yeah, Dean said she'd apparently hoard a few dollars together to get back to Denver. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, though. You don't get to judge her. No. You don't get to judge her for using her body to get money to survive when you were willing to use her body to get money for you to survive. No. No. You don't get to judge her either way, but especially then. No, especially then. You don't anyway. You do not get to judge what someone else does with their own body. First of all... I see nothing wrong with sex work. Nothing. Consensual sex work is just a job. Yeah. And I did use the word consensual there. Yes. Just to be clear. If an adult human is having consensual sex for money. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. No. You don't get to judge that shit. Nope. Fuck your face. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I don't like this guy. I don't like him. No, he's fucking awful. Yes, he has just spent like 10 years telling us about spending... (laughs) I'm just seeing your next one. Oh my god, he spends so much time telling us about this character. And it's this character whose name is O'Rooney. And he keeps telling us that nothing happened. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He spends like 10 years telling us mm-hmm. about nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. You have, I am like 60 now. Because I have spent so much time listening to your rambling bullshit. And then, then he goes into a list. A list of people Mm -hmm. who weren't there. Yeah, he was probably on something. He was listing, he has gone back to New York at this point, I think. And he starts listing the people who weren't hanging out with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Listing them. Yeah. I mean, is that what we need to do now? David Estelle is not here. She's not? My wife is not here. I swear I see you in the corner. Uh, your girlfriend's not here. Don't be mean. All of the... Well, I mean, lefty and righty are right there. <laughs> fair. <laughs> that is fair. And if your actual girlfriend is listening, I'm sorry. I know you're a real person and I really do love you. Oh, she would laugh. I, I hope she laughs. So... Why are we listing people who aren't in the room? People you're not hanging out with. People who are not there. Because Jack Kerouac thinks he's clever. He's not clever. No, he's not. He's listing people who aren't there. Yeah. They're not there. Um, By the way, my dogs are not in the room. Your dog is not in the room. You're you're sure. I'm just, I, I well, check. There's a dog in the room. Oh, no, one of the dogs, the screamy dog, is in the room. Yes, being very quiet and sweet and cute. Yes, and now he's looking at us. Yes. I, we don't need to list who's not in the room. No. No, we don't. Uh, yeah, it's... No, his writing, it, it quite really is. It's just, the guy was a fucking drug addict and was writing high as fuck most of the time. Well, at this point, I realized that I could listen at 1.25 speed on my um, audiobook app. <laughs> and that made the book so much better. I doubt it. <laughs> well, mostly because it was faster. So then, then, this book that is considered a classic... This is the great American novel. And I looked it up. When you look at the great American novel, Google that. This is on the list of the 10 great American novels on most of those lists. Oh, no, no, no. This book, this book, I don't know if you remember this. At this point, it is 1949. He tells us it's 1949. Mm -hmm. He starts bitching. About being a white man. Mm-hmm. And he's bitching because it is so hard to be a white man. Yes. Now, at this point, he actually is in New Orleans, I think. And he is hanging out with some uh, blues musicians on his trip back to New York. And he starts complaining to an old black man about not understanding the difficulty of being a white man. Yes. It. I, if, I, if Jack Kerouac were alive today, he would subscribe to the theories of uh, uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson based himself on Jack Kerouac. It doesn't fucking surprise me. I mean, I least. don't know that that's true, but that is the, that yes. is my new headcanon. Yeah, because absolutely. 1949, and you're complaining to a black man. In 1949. About how hard it is to be a single white man in America. Mm -hmm. A white man traveling the countryside in America. Mm -hmm. It is so fucking hard to be a 
young white man in America mm-hmm. in 1949. I mean, how do you deal with all the all the privilege? How? By complaining about how hard it is, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Fucking do. So here's the thing. For years now, I have thought, okay, the white men who complain about how hard it is to be a white man in America, mm-hmm. they're complaining about losing some of their privilege. The, these changes, even if those changes don't really affect their lives very right. much, they're feeling their this privileges. is a change in how they are viewed, and it is a big change, and it's an existential crisis kind of change that maybe it's hard to put into words. So while I think they're fucking idiots, I can understand where they're coming from, and still, excuse me, and still know that they're wrong and stupid. Right. This is 1949. What year is it? Women can't have a credit card without their husband or father approving it. This old black man in 1949 in the South... Couldn't vote. Could not vote. Because even if it was legal, Jim Crow laws made it impossible. Mm -hmm. Couldn't ride in the front of the bus. He could not ride on a bus. Yeah, couldn't use the same fucking bathroom as Jack Kerouac. Or drink from the same water fountain or sit at the same soda fountain. But their Kerouac is... Yeah. Complaining as a 20-something cishet white man in 1949 South. Yeah. Yeah. That it's hard to be a white man. Yep. Mm-hmm. See, what I want is an entire book of all of the things that old blues musician was thinking, listening to his bullshit. See, and it's this point where my audiobook stopped. Oh. And I think this is why. I think that broke my audiobook. That's fair. I think that broke it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why it broke, and mm-hmm. it just would not play anymore. Right. And honestly, having read it all the way through one time before, I don't feel like you need to finish it. Because like I said to you over text when we were talking about when we were going to record this, uh-huh. I have subjected myself to Kerouac once, and I am unwilling to do it a second a second time in this lifetime. I didn't get 70% of the way through and I have subjected myself to more Kerouac than should be required of people being detained by the CIA. Yes. This book could be advanced interrogation techniques. Mm -hmm. Just make people read Kerouac. Oh, just make make them read the beats in general. You said we should get to Howell. Fuck waterboarding. Make them read this book. Garbage, and they will admit to anything you want them to admit to. Mm-hmm. They will make things up to admit to you if you make them read this bullshit. Yeah, this is terrible. Yeah, that, that is as far as I got in the book. I read the Spark Notes, and I did read through the Wikipedia. It looks like nothing happens in the rest of the book. He goes back to New York. He goes to college. His life is perfect and wonderful. He becomes an author and a best-selling author in real life and is one of the great American authors. And he founds the Beat Movement, which is short for Beatnik Movement. Yeah. 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 And so to the point I was making earlier that he might be one of the better ones, why don't we close with, um, I'm going to start reading from Allen Ginsberg's Howl. And stop me when you're willing to admit to being the devil herself. Hang on. Before you start, um, I'm going to go get my 9mm, and I'm going to load it, and I'm going to put it to my temple. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, Howl, Allen Ginsberg, part one, 
This is a poem. A poem. Part one. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through inward streets at dawn. And mind you, not inward with a hard R, the other inward that I still won't use, that is from the Spanish for black. Oh, I thought you said inward. No. I was picturing yeah. inward no. streets, and I'm this like, is okay, the, this so is kind of... No, I'll you said that N. N-word, yes. This, this is the N-word that comes from the Spanish word for black that I will not use. So, dragging themselves through the N-word streets at dawn, looking for an angry fix. Angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night. Who poverty, poverty and tatters and hollow-eyed and high-sat-up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold water flats, floating across the tops of cities contemplating jazz. Are you yet ready to admit that you're the devil herself? Or should I keep reading? Um, at this point, I actually, I'm a little bit annoyed by his use of the N-word. Who bared their brains to heaven under the L and saw Mohammedan, and Mohammedan angels staggering on tenement roofs illuminated. Who passed through universities with radiant cool. Okay, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. Uh, we have now used the N-word and Mohammed. Mm-hmm. So now we're just racist as fuck. Mm-hmm, 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 now mm-hmm. we're just, I mean, we are just, I. Mm-hmm. With radiant cool eyes, hallucinating Arkansas and Blake light tragedy among the scholars of war. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Uh-huh. This is better than Kerouac so far. You think so? Oh, this is so much better than Kerouac. Ugh, I hate this. This is terrible, but it's better than what Kerouac wrote. He's still talking. He's still just describing his friends, by the way. Yeah, but he is describing them in... Okay, so you remember when we read Great Gatsby, and I really liked the way they described the train yard and how it is a city of ash. Okay. That this paints a verbal picture. Um, that I like. He is painting a verbal picture. It's not my thing. This is still better than Kerouac. Right. That doesn't mean so, good. I'm flipping through here. I'm not kidding. I, there are probably at least so far two and a half pages that start with one of the lines starts with who, where he continues to describe oh. what his friends are like. Um, I've skipped quite a bit. Who journeyed to Denver and died in Denver. Who came back to Denver and waited in vain. Who watched over Denver. Where are we at now? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Fu- okay, I take and it back. You are not better than Kerouac. You fuck. Who is this? This, this is, is Ginsburg. He Ginsburg. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I hate um, Ginsburg. Yeah, let me see here. Fuck um, you, Ginsburg. So you're now ready to admit that you are the devil herself. Fuck you, Ginsburg. Or should I skip to part I, two and keep reading? I am probably the devil. You are. But I was probably the devil to begin with. That's fair. Alrighty, on that, I think I should stop torturing you with Ginsburg, and we should move on. I think we should get to the ratings phase, because we are almost at an hour. Yeah. So, rate this book. On the road. Uh... Do you know how many clubs I need for this book? Well, we have a five-club rating system. No, no. No. I'm going to need a precise number of clubs. Can you guess what that number would be? Is it 47? It is 1,947. It's 47. It's 1947 <laughs> clubs. All made in Frisco. <laughs> Club the fucking book. mine okay because i was thinking that on the road should be on the road while you run over it with a series of large <laughs> fucking trucks until it's smashed club trucks trucks full of clubs yes trucks full of book clubs who yes. know what good books are because yeah. this is not one no this is not a great american novel oh. 
It is American. <sighs> I suppose it's kind of a novel. Uh, I'm not sure. It it's really a journal. Qualifies. It is somebody's fucking yeah, journal. I don't think it qualifies as a novel. No. Yeah. So no. of three qualifiers, you've got one. It's American. It's American. Yeah. It is not great. It is not a novel. No. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. This is a. No- it's American. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. journal. It's an American journal. So let's let's do this. Let's fill a truck. Okay. With 1,947 clubs, mm-hmm. and then put this book on the road and run over it. And then back up, and then run over it again. Repeatedly. Yeah. Over and Until over. Until this over. is just pulp. Yes. That is our rating. Yes. Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs>